0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Almighty Father, we pray that you would humble sinners and exalt the Savior by the power and grace of your Holy Spirit for the sake of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Amen. In uh, my early 20s, before I came to work at the Advent, I attended Christ Episcopal Church in the Fairfield area of West Birmingham. And it was a magical season. Gate Shaw was the rector. And it was a truly multi-ethnic church. Probably 50% of the congregation was African American and 50% of the congregation was white. There were wealthy people from the suburbs and there were very poor people from the neighborhood. And there were rich and poor people alike who were in recovery for drug and alcohol addiction. There was a couple in the church that had come to faith in Christ together he had formerly been a pimp, and she was one of his employees. There were a number of people who had schizophrenia, and there was also a state senator. It was just an incredible kingdom of God experience. Now, it was the smallest church, so during the prayers of the people section of the liturgy, people would chime in from the congregation. And there was a man in his 40s who I'll call Billy. Billy. And he would hobble into church with a cane and a severe limp every Sunday. And during the prayers of the people, without fail, he would always say, Lord, I just thank you for another day clean and sober. Now, in an incident related to his own drug addiction and drug dealing, a couple of drug dealers had attacked Billy and tried to strangle him to death. And as a product of it, he was paralyzed, and that's why he had this severe limp. And so one day I was driving Billy home from church, and in our conversation, I got the sense that his limp was instrumental in his sobriety. As frustrating as that limp was, it was a symbol that made him aware every day of his need for Christ, and as a result of that, it led him into the joy and life of the kingdom of God. Now in Luke 6, you you'll want to have your text out today because we're going to go through every single verse. Uh, Jesus delivers uh, the Beatitudes Sermon from the Sermon on the Plain. Not to be confused with the Beatitudes of Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount. Now in this passage, Jesus contrasts the life of blessedness with the life of woe. He proclaims the surprising upside down and unexpected nature or way into the life of the kingdom of God. And that is with a limp. The awareness of our sin and brokenness and awareness of our need for Christ and his grace is the first step into the kingdom of God. The way of weakness is the way into the life and joy of the kingdom. So today we're going to look at this paradox in two parts. The life of blessedness versus the life of woe. And the life that our soul deeply desires, one of joy and of peace in the kingdom, it comes to us not through strength and self-reliance, but it comes to us through neediness and through weakness. So first, the life of blessedness. Now, the scene of this sermon that Jesus delivers involves a number of people with deep afflictions. There are people who are blind, lame, and demon-possessed. And Luke says that they came both to hear Jesus and with the hope that they would be touched and that they would be healed. You can imagine that many of the people came with an expectation that if I can just have this affliction healed, then my problems are going to go away and I'm finally going to be happy. And so in a sense, this sermon about a life of blessedness versus a life of woe is Jesus' way of communicating, hey guys, yes, if you're healed, It's going to be a good thing it's going to be a blessing from God but let me tell you the true path to satisfaction and contentment and then Jesus delivers the four marks of the blessed life now it would be helpful for us to define what we mean by blessed or blessedness blessedness is this optimal sense of inner well-being when Christ is the ruler of your life and you live within his kingdom in simple terms blessedness is spiritual satisfaction in your heart. It is the nexus of joy, hope, and peace that comes when you live your life in relationship with Christ and the kingdom of God. And so Jesus offers four marks of the blessed life. First, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now Jesus here is speaking more of spiritual poverty. People who know that they're a sinner before a holy and just God and they realize that they have no inner resources by which to save themselves. They must rely entirely on the grace and forgiveness of Jesus, and so they seek Christ in that way. And for those people, they have the blessing, the present blessing of life in the kingdom of God. Second, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. The hunger that Jesus is talking about uh, is an awareness of our emptiness in our heart without relationship with God. And so as a result of that hunger, you seek the Lord and in that you find satisfaction and fulfillment. The third mark, blessed are you who weep now for you shall laugh. The weeping that Christ alludes to is a weeping over the brokenness and the fallenness of this world. It is the person who laments the fall and its effects and cries out to the Lord for it. This person is able to have realistic expectations of this life because they long for heaven and long for the second coming of Christ. And as they lament and they long before the Lord, they are comforted. Fourth, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their parents did to the prophets." Now this Mark sounds kind of confusing, right? You're saying that it's a blessed thing to be persecuted and to be rejected and to be excluded uh, on account of your faith. Well, it's important to see that, that he says it's for the sake of the Son of Man. If you are a person who lives your life for the glory of God, you live your life to further the kingdom and to seek justice, You are going to be resisted. The devil in various forms is going to attack you, and that is hard. But living your life for the gospel comes with a meaning and purpose and inspiration that exceeds whatever attacks the devil and the world will throw at you. It comes with an eternal reward that exceeds any temporary affliction. And so as we look at these four marks... There are three trends or themes that we can identify that are consistent in all four of the marks. The first is the blessed life starts with an awareness of need. It starts with knowing that you have a limp. You know that you're a sinner and you need forgiveness. You have a need for God to fulfill your life. You see a need for redemption in the world. You see people who need the gospel and need the love of Christ. Second, the blessed in life involves taking that need to Jesus in weakness. You depend on Jesus to meet those needs. You depend on Jesus to save and satisfy your soul. You depend on Jesus to redeem this world. And you point people to Jesus for redemption and for healing. And then third, the blessed life involves deferred gratification. Now, one of the marks, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God, does involve a a, a present blessing, but the the other marks point to a deferred gratification. The blessed life comes with dependence on Christ, but it also comes with the patience of God, which is hard in a world that is centered around instant gratification. Jesus lays out the way of blessedness. And then he contrasts it with the marks of the life of woe, which takes us to our second point, the life of woe. In verse 24, Jesus' sermon takes a sharp turn with the word but. Here Christ lays out the four marks of a dissatisfying, woeful life. And these four marks correspond with and contrast directly with the four marks of a woeful life. First, woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. In referring to rich here, Jesus is not speaking in financial terms. Uh, He is talking about uh, people who are unaware of their need for Christ. Although it is worth, you know, acknowledging that if you are financially comfortable, you do have a lower paradigm for need, and it is a little harder for you to understand your need for God and his grace. So when Jesus says, you have received your consolation, he means that the joy and comfort that a person has when they're unaware of their need for Christ is limited to this life. It's limited to what you can manufacture yourself because without an awareness of need, you're not going to see Christ. The second mark of the woeful life, woe to you who are full now for you shall be hungry. Here Jesus is saying, woe to the person who tries to find their satisfaction in this life and in the idols of this world. The person who is seeking their contentment and fulfillment in materials and possessions and success and popularity because it's not going to satisfy your soul. It's like trying to eat cotton candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's never going to fill your heart. Only Christ can fill your heart. The third mark, woe to you who laugh now for you shall mourn and weep. Here Jesus is saying, woe to the person who does not have an accurate appraisal of the limits of this life. The laughing reflects a lack of awareness of how fallen and broken this world and this life are. If you have unrealistic expectations of this life, you are going to find yourself disappointed over and over again. Whereas when you weep and lament the difficulty of this life, You have far more realistic expectations and are able to enjoy this life for what it is. Now, finally, the fourth mark of the woeful life. Woe to you when people speak well of you, for their fathers did did to the prophets, the false prophets. Again, this sounds a little bit strange. If you're a Christian, you, you want people to speak well of you, right? Well, what he's talking about here is woe to the person whose service to the Lord And whose commitment to the gospel only goes so far as it won't step on anybody else's toes. It won't offend anybody. Uh, If you are a person um, who will only take your Christian faith as far as you won't step on anybody else's toes, you're not going to be very effective for the kingdom. And your service to the Lord is not going to be terribly life-giving. If you really commit yourself to sharing the gospel and to living for God's kingdom, if you, if you really commit yourself to living out God's word fully, you need to accept that you're going to be resisted. You're going to be called crazy or intolerant or small-minded, and that's just something you have to accept. But it is absolutely worth it because of the reward you receive both in this life and in the life to come to commit your life to the service of the Lord and his gospel. And it's also important for us to define what is meant by woe a woeful life in this context. Now, when we see the word woe in the Old Testament, oftentimes we associate that with a person being ruined or being damned. But in this context, it is better translated as alas. Alas, an opportunity was missed. Alas, a person who did not see their need, did not seek the Lord, uh, that they left so much life, so much joy, so much meaning on the table. And so the themes and the hallmarks of the woeful life contrast with the hallmarks of the blessed life. They are first, a lack of awareness of need. Second, they, there is a concentration on self-reliance and self-determination. And then finally, there is living for instant gratification rather than deferred gratification. I think the key thing to grasp here in Luke chapter 6 in this conversation about the life of blessedness versus the life of woe is that the gateway into the blessed life is the limp. It is an awareness of your need. You are aware of your sin and it drives you to Jesus and his grace and forgiveness. You are aware of your wounds and your brokenness and it drives you to the healing of God. You are aware of the fallenness of the world And you cry out to the Lord and you pray for God to redeem this place. And in a mysterious way, as you limp through life, depending on Jesus, you walk into the joy and the peace and the life of the kingdom of God. Now, note the audience of the Sermon on the Plain. It was people with deep afflictions. And they walked far, far distances. And their afflictions led them to the feet of Jesus. I saw this in the life of my friend Billy at Christ Episcopal. He had a limp, and he had a stutter, and he was very poor. But he was as alive and at peace and joyful as any person that I knew. His limp was a symbol of his need, and this symbol led him to Christ. The cross is a limp for all of us. It is a symbol of our need. It reminds us daily that our problem with sin is so great that God would have to send his son to die on a cross for us. And the cross leads us to Jesus and to his grace every day. So, the question I have for you individually is what is your limp? What is that thing that afflicts you every day? It's frustrating, it's annoying, it pains you. Is it an addiction or a habit? Is it a terrible temper? Is it a health condition or a mental illness? Is it singleness or infertility? What is your limp? And as hard as your limp is, the thing I want to communicate to you is do not be ashamed of your limp. We are all limping through life. Let your limp make you aware of your need. Let your need lead you to Jesus. And let Jesus lead you into the blessed life of the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would glorify yourself in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.